Russian military drills that began today in Belarus involve 30,000 troops and are expected to take place over 10 days. Naval drills are also being conducted in the Black Sea. The exercises come as more than 100,000 Russian troops surround Ukraine and as crisis diplomacy continues in Moscow, Berlin and Brussels. So this past week we have a mix of calls for freedom and the threat of war. While the threat of Russian aggression on Ukraine escalates, protests calling for freedom from COVID mandates have spread from Canada to other Western democracies. On this program last week, Matt Davies looked at the nations preparing for war in an effort to counter Russia's movements on the borders of Ukraine. In a growing number of countries, these past few days have now called for their citizens to leave the country and a Russian invasion is said to be imminent. Ukraine gave Russia 48 hours to respond under the Vienna document. That time has now expired, and as diplomatic efforts falter, we wonder what will happen with these things. Well, first, we want to ask or look at the so-called freedom convoys, which started here in Canada three weekends ago, with thousands descending in protest on Canada's capital in Ottawa, calling for an end to all COVID-19 health mandates. And this has spread not only across Canada, but also to other countries, including Australia, New Zealand, France, and so on. In light of these things that are happening around the world, we look to the Bible to understand the significance of these events and we ask the question can we expect freedom from human government we wonder what russia or more correctly putin will do next with about 130,000 troops on ukraine's borders what will become of nato what will the impact on freedom in ukraine and eastern europe be as these events continue from canada we watch the protesters who say they are fighting for freedoms that were taken due to government's efforts to curb the spread of COVID-19. And we wonder, will this have a longer term impact on freedom and in particular our religious freedom? Many of the Canadian protesters are working class people from diverse backgrounds and many are also religious people. The protests which have spread across the country and interrupted border crossings have been marked by reports of prayer, the smell of cannabis, and signs and messages with foul language. The protests have drawn together a diverse group. Well, why are we talking about this? Religious freedom has been put in danger by liberal governments. If the momentum continues with the protests, it may be that religious freedom will benefit from this movement, at least for a time. If so, we should use the opportunity wisely. This was one of the effects of the French Revolution. Likewise, these protests are driven by the voice of the people, a call for freedom, for liberty. 
And it's interesting that in contrast to what has been seen in Canada, ironically, the Freedom Convoy in France seems to have been quickly squashed by thousands of well-equipped police. Well, are there dark days ahead for Europe? If the West does not raise the costs for Russia, the commentator, which I will share with you now, wonders if Turkey will turn to Russia. And if so, it's not a Europe that we want, he says. Look, the bottom line is I, I agree with those who say that, that Russia is playing a, a fairly weak and declining hand very well. They are playing it aggressively. Now, the problem, and I don't think they'll go in all the way to Odessa. I don't think they'll go all the way to Kiev. Because I think the further they go in, the longer those lines uh, of, of uh, supply get, the more they are liable to have a lot of body bags going back uh, to, to Mother Russia. And that's not in anybody's interests, uh, not even Putin's. I, I think there's already been a galvanizing effect within NATO, which is in, encouraging to an extent. I think people now realize that hard power conflict is once again a possibility here. I think if he actuates this all the way with a big war, then it's it's going to be a paradigm shift, uh, even more so. And and that, again, will rob Putin of the ability to do what he's done so successfully with Germany and with Turkey and with uh, with others, which is to say, look, I'm just I, really I have modest and very reasonable goals and I want to make money. We can do that together. I want to exert a little influence on it. But if it goes from that to a full out hegemonic power trying to gobble up a country that is seen as a legitimate and sovereign state by most of the world, he will have misplayed that hand. And that's not that's not the Putin that we've observed before. Now, uh, Mariupol, you know, trying to link the Crimea to Donetsk and Luhansk, that seems credible. There, you'd be, you'd find a lot of Germans probably who would say, well, yeah, kind of, I can see why he did that. And that would be more in the Putin playbook, I think, doing a little bit. The problem with that is that uh, once you start doing that a little bit, then it becomes accepted both by your competitors and by your own people that that's the normal rule of the game. Uh, I had a, a friend, uh, a Japanese geopolitical thinker once who said, look, of course, we're very strong against China. So because we have much to fear from Chinese hegemony in this region. But if we see that the United States fails to stand up to China and that there is no real, that there is no structure off which to balance, guess what? We're going to be making deals with China. That's from the Japanese. So I think the same goes, uh, there's a lot of people watching this, including Turkey, Turkey and other states of NATO, including Romania, Bulgaria and others, uh, probably never the Poles will be put in the position of saying, well, look, if this is the bully and he's going to be, he's not gulping, but he's nibbling, we're going to have to make a deal with him. And I don't think that's a, a Europe that we want to see. So, yeah, I, I don't see the big invasion, but I think he'll try something small. He kind of has, has built this hand uh, in such a way that he has to do something. And I think it's important for us to be resolute in trying to drive up his costs in doing so. And I, I very much hope that we support Ukraine through uh, means open and covert economically and material to do everything we can to raise costs if he actually does this thing. And I, and I think the Turks might be open to, uh, to working with us in that regard. Time will tell whether Russia decides to take a big bite or to take a nibble. But whichever way it goes, the world is on the verge of a, a major conflict. Bible prophecy has forewarned that in the latter days, Russia would be triumphant in conjunction with Rome, that is, with Catholicism, at its height. And the consequence, Europe chained. If you turn to Daniel chapter 2, with the image that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream, 
coming in at verse 40 there, we read that the fourth kingdom, that was the Roman kingdom, shall be strong as iron. For as much as iron breaks in pieces and subdues all things, and as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. It is the kingdom, a divided kingdom. But there shall be in it the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay. So in these feet of Nebuchadnezzar's image, we have the element of iron and also of clay. And the strength of the feet is in that Roman iron. It continues, And whereas thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And then it goes on in verse 44 to say, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. So this is the picture then that is to be in place as the image stands complete upon its feet with its Babylonian head and with these um, part iron, part clay feet, which we note comes out of the Roman legs. And so as we look for a counterpart to that in our day, we see the European kingdom partly strong and partly broken. In it, the strength of the iron in the Catholicism. And we see the miry clay there, the mingling with the seed of men. And Gesenius defines that word men there, the Hebrew Enosh, as generally collective of the whole human race, a multitude, the common people. So this is exactly what we see in Europe today, to be dominated by the Roman Catholic iron. Now, this is not the only um, scripture where we have this picture. If you also look at the prophecy of Revelation and um, chapters 16 and 17, we have there the going forth of the frog spirits, as we're seeing in the, the call for freedom today. And we also have in chapter 17 an aspect of the vials in, in greater detail, where we have a picture of a harlot riding on a beast with ten horns. And this harlot is described as the mother of harlots. And we contrast that with the, the mother church. And she is seen to be sitting upon seven hills. Well, as a tourist today, you can go to Rome and you can have a tour of the seven hills. But what's interesting is when you come to verse 12, it says that the ten horns are ten kings, which will receive power as kings one hour with the beast. And these have one mind and shall give their power and authority unto the beast, and they'll make war with the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. So here then we have a representative ten, giving their power and authority to the beast, ridden by the Roman mother harlot Babylon the Great. And so this is the picture of Revelation chapter 17. And so it leads us then to expect a Europe dominated by 
the Roman Catholic influence bringing about a, a great conflict. Well, in the book World Events and the Coming of Zion's King, I'm in the section written by Graham Pierce, he says, We have described the coming Roman world as a Christian socialist state, corresponding with the iron and clay feet of the image and with the current socialist development of society in Europe. And that's exactly what um, we've seen come to pass in recent years. This he originally wrote in 1970. He continues, Brother Thomas' description of this time, of which we are now speaking, is Russia triumphant, Europe in chains. This is a true reflection of, on what the prophets say. Europe is to come under cruel bondage, with freedom suppressed. So the lights are to go out in Europe. It is to be in chains. This may not take place immediately Russia takes over Western Europe, but over some years the chains will be found to be brutally there. And so we're starting to see the next development, it would seem, of this. and, and Or at least that's what we're waiting for. How, how these things will come about, as um, Graham goes on to say, we don't know. It could be a little different than what we expect, but we see the end result. And so we should expect that NATO will be seen to be um, have outlived its usefulness and Russia will gain greater dominance over Europe. We already see it through um, the energy policy that Russia has. So from prophecy, we expect freedom to give way to despotism in Europe as the papacy and Russia gain in power. And what we also need to realize is that the Bible's position on freedom is far different to what the world has to offer. In John chapter 8, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And so the Bible shows how that we are slaves to sin. And it is only through the son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can be made free. In Galatians chapter 5 and at verse 1, we read, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. So it is through Christ that we are to gain true freedom. Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 20 through to verse 23, we read, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Paul shows how that, again, we were slaves of sin. And we have been made free in regard to righteousness through Christ. We have been set free from sin and become slaves of God. And so that's what we, we look for, to have freedom from sin and from death. And Peter in his first epistle, chapter 2, verse 13 to 16, 
says, Be subject to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as sent by him for vengeance on evildoers and for praise to them that do well. For so is the will of God, that by well-doing ye should put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, and not using your freedom for a cloak of wickedness, but as bondservants of God. And so we, we need to be careful in, in the stance that um, we take as servants of God, following the, the government when it does not come, come into conflict with our faith. And when it does, <clears throat> we follow the um, words of the apostle, we ought to obey God rather than men. But in many of the things that um, the government has required of us, we are not required to um, go against what God has asked us to do. But we're seeing um, people calling for freedom. And I don't know what kind of freedom they are looking for exactly, but freedom for everyone to do whatever their fleshly heart desires without regard for what God desires is not the kind of freedom that the servants of God can support. This is the freedom of today. The freedom that we're looking for is freedom not only to witness to Bible truth, but also freedom from sin and death. And human government, government cannot and will not give us this true freedom. We therefore look for the return of Jesus Christ, who will establish a new order that will bring about freedom without sin and without death. This has been Daniel Billington with you for Bible in the News this week. We invite you to come back again next week as we continue to follow the developments of the Bible in the news.